The name's Doctor. The Doctor. The security of this entire planet is at stake. Can we rely upon you? I'm not where I wanted to be, but I can work with this. Whoa. From Joe Cole. What? what? I don't suppose you've seen anything weird around here. You believe this is a human? What's the plan? You trust me, don't you? Have I got to answer that? Where are we? Paris, 1943? Oh, no. Something's coming for me. I can feel it. Let it come. Because we're your mates. Family. Get away from them! You know things will get into the TARDIS. You'll never die. What have you brought here, Doctor? Christmas and happy holidays to one and all, and welcome to a very special edition of Who and Company. Before we drop our December episode on New Year's Eve, we thought we'd bring you a holiday present in the form of this bonus episode with returning guest Eric Malinsky of the Imaginary Worlds podcast. Two years ago, we talked to Eric about beginning his journey through all of the Doctor Who episodes, and at that time, he'd made it almost to the end of Series 10. In this episode, we catch up with Eric to see what this very new Doctor Who fan thought of that finale, all of Series 11, and the most recent trailer for Series 12. And that's coming up right now. It's hard to believe it's been two years since we talked to our next guest. In a span of three months, he watched a ton of Doctor Who for the first time. So we thought we'd have him back for an update on his journey and to see what he thought of Series 11. Eric Malinsky, welcome back to Who and Company. Thank you. God, has it been two years? Uh, yeah. It's been two years. Wow. God, that time flew. You were our final guest in Series 1 of Who and Company. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And to follow yeah. up with that, I, I have to ask you, mm-hmm. did you ever get around to watching Midnight? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's I watched every... I watched the, the whole... I mean, I filled in almost all the gaps. Um, I was never, I mean, the only the only modern who I wasn't crazy about was the Clara 12th Doctor pairing. And especially in that their first season, which I think was season eight, um, I was not a bit, he, there were some some really clunker episodes in that season. His his first season with her, I thought they were they were really a little shaky. Uh, so I, I sort of skipped some of those, but I think I've watched every other episode of the whole modern run uh yeah plus i've 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 listened to a bunch of the um big audio uh finnish dramas what do you think of those big big finnish audio uh good i was just 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 today on the train i was listening to a david Tennant, catherine tate one um i enjoy it although i feel like it's they're 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 often missing um 
you know, especially the Russell T. Davies uh, era, I feel like it's often missing the deeper character stuff, some of the social satire. Um, but, you know, it's it's nice to have them all kind of back in the saddle again. It's funny because him and Catherine Tate, you know, like that, they slip into it. The Billy, Billy Piper freely admitted that she was having trouble trying to get back, like, filling Rose as a character again. And you can kind of tell. Um, but, uh, the stuff with her, her mom is, is really fun. And I listened to some Sylvester McCoy stuff, which was not, I, I told you I had a lot of trouble getting into the old who, cause the pacing is so slow and the special effects, it's very hard as an adult to watch it mm-hmm. now. I know some people have rewatched it and loved it. Um, it's not the same for me as like watching old Star Trek where it's hard for me to see those effects as terrible because I'm simultaneously watching it and remembering watching it as a kid. And so it's very hard for me to be like, you know, for, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to be critical of it. Um, sure. uh, cause I'm back to being 10 years old again, watching it. So, um, <laughs> but this stuff, cause I didn't watch it as a kid. It is, it's, I find it kind of painful to watch, even though I appreciate what it is. Um, but I loved watching, listening to Sylvester McCoy uh, audio dramas because in my head, I was imagining him with modern special effects. And because his character as the Doctor lived a long time, uh, I'm imagining, and clearly, you know, with um, Dorothy, you know, with the, with, I don't even call her Ace anymore because she's fully an adult. I mean, you can feel that she's, she probably did spend years with him um and has totally aged into this role and uh in my and i really appreciate him a lot as a doctor through the audio dramas i think imagining in my head modern special effects um and my favorite one was the one where um they went to a future where the soviet union did not collapse but took over europe which was kind of fun because his show ended before this before the cold war ended so it's a a story they never would have told in his original run so that was kind of fun and he of course absolutely knows of course the soviet union falls he knew it then (laughs) he knew it now (laughs) you know that's cool did you get a chance to listen to any of colin baker's audios no, uh, partially because of, you know, his run was not that great. Um, but are they good? Yeah, and that's the and that's one of the, I think, the major takeaway for me as far as Big Finish is concerned is that I'm not a huge fan of Colin Baker's run on the show. I like the Doctor. I like where, like, I like the Doctor on paper, but um, he is fantastic in audio. Hmm. His relationship with his companion... Uh, his companions very different from the Perry relationship on the TV show. And so uh, anything with Maggie Staples, um, Evil and Smythe's character is wonderful. Uh, hmm. He's he. It's a total transformation. If you like musicals, and this is something that I'm realizing that I actually am. Oh, a yeah. Fan I, like, of, I like musicals. Yeah. Doctor Who and the Pirates mm-hmm. is an amazing, amazingly poignant and fun story. So it's one of the ones when Big wow. Finish has one of those sales. I think it's in the first 50 or really in the early run. Highly recommend that one. Uh, you don't have to know the characters. You could just jump into that one. But um, the Evil and Smythe, I recommend those. Yeah. Uh, personal I, I, favorite of mine. I feel the same way you guys do about his run on television, but I would probably go so far as to say he's probably my favorite doctor on Big Finish. I would say the same. Huh? Yeah, same. There's something about his his doctor works really well on an on audio sense. And I think one of the things that Billy Piper may have had a problem with is because you're not on camera and there's a physicality to her character, mm. um, how to show that or how to uh, kind of create that in an audio media. I imagine it would be really difficult for a lot of actors who are used to a certain 
certain way of standing and looking and and like you know there's so much in the look in the background because she's she reacts really well on the show and that's one of the things i really like about uh billy Piper. yeah i mentioned that as well too i think last time was one of the reasons which is my favorite companions i feel like they're often you know they're often looking at green screens and reacting to things and um uh, she was really good at it uh, in a in a way I thought better than Karen Gillan. I did not appreciate what a good actress Karen Gillan was when I first watched Doctor Who because I, I because those reactions I felt like she always kind of had the same kind of looks, and it wasn't until later and I saw her in other roles that I realized how good she is. Um, but Billy Piper's just her reactions are so great um, to things that she's not looking at, and also right. her chemistry with David Tennant is really great. And there's a lot of subtlety there, and I could see why, especially because I don't even know if they record in the same room with the with the audio dramas. I could see why she was perhaps struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, she, that- she freely admitted it when you know when she was doing promotions for the yeah you know, for it. Yeah. Every once in a while, I just go, "Who'd have thought that Karen Gillan would have the career?" Uh, post Doctor Who that she has, yeah. you know, number one film of all time. Was, I didn't even realize she was Nebula until I watched the second Guardians movie. It suddenly, and then once you see it, once you know who she that it's her, you kind of you start noticing mannerisms and things everywhere. But I mean, it just didn't even occur to me that there could ever be the same person. I think that's probably because you got into Doctor Who after she had been cast from the first Guardians film. Mm. But for those of us, like she jumped from. Doctor Who to that role, and there's this huge reveal at one of the Comic Cons where she's, you know, she's talking and she suddenly just grabs her scalp and yanks all of her hair off because she's <laughs> she has a wig and she's completely bald, and people just lost it. So wow. that was how they announced that she was going to basically be on the on the in the movie was, uh, <laughs> and they didn't explain why. I don't even know if they we knew what character she was playing. She just says, "Oh yeah, I'm in this movie," uh, and here. Foomp, <laughs> it's uh it's worth looking up on youtube pretty quick clip but <laughs> yeah what's funny is that there's a little behind the scenes story about uh their last scene together uh her and matt smith and they it's called a wig off because she was bald filming for avengers and he was bald filming for uh that other movie where he played a bully <laughs> so yeah i was gonna say i remember he was bald in that episode too i, I noticed that she had a wig in that episode in that that when she appears uh they, i could tell they both you know well he obviously had a wig but they made a whole joke out of it but yeah <laughs> i actually had forgotten about that well in the two years you've obviously listened to some audios you've watched a little bit of classic and since that time we have had a regeneration into a new doctor so Eric, what did you think of Jodie Whittaker's first season of Doctor Who? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, I want to hear all of them. <laughs> all right. First of all, I i mean, I love her. Like, yeah. in terms of her herself, uh, her characterization of the Doctor, her outfit, her everything, her TARDIS, her... her um, Sheffield made uh, sonic screwdriver. All of it. Love it. Uh, love it all. Um... I had some problems with the rest of the show. Um, I felt like, well, you know, a lot of people have, t- have talked about this. The fact that uh, they didn't want to go back to the classic villains. Fine. You want to invent new villains, villains great. Uh, <laughs> make them as good as the old villains. Make them as memorable. You know, I feel like the great thing about the old, uh, the other villains is that you really felt that, like, the world was in danger, the galaxy was in danger, people's lives were really in danger, and the Doctor 
I think my favorite Doctor Who stories are the ones where the Doctor is facing the kind of situation that in another sci-fi story, especially an American one, you would just shoot the hell out of these bad guys. But you've got this sort of pacifist negotiator kind of character. And so that's I think that's why the Cybermen and the Daleks are such good enemies for the Doctor. Because, you know, for uh, Captain Kirk or whatever, you just blow these things to spin the reins. Um, but, you know, for the Doctor, how on earth do you uh, deal with something like this? Um, and I feel like she never got that level of a threat. And I feel like they – it was almost like having the best sports car in the world and driving it 40 miles per hour. Like I feel like they never really challenged her that way because um, because the villains weren't good enough. Um, uh, I also felt like as much as I like the actors playing Ryan, Yaz, and Graham uh, – I never felt like they really bonded. I also felt like she never really bonded with. I, I kept saying that her relationship to them was more like a high school coach to like a group, a new group of students. You know, like come on, like this season we're all working together. You know, go team, come on team, good team. You know, but I almost felt like if at the end of the season they all decided to go home, she'd be like, ah, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> you know, like, wow. Go. I've not heard that comparison, but I like that. Yeah, let's go get three new recruits for next season. It wasn't a kind of like, like all the other doctors with their relationships to the companions. I mean, not only were they so much more intense, sometimes to an unhealthy degree of which was explored in the show. I think my favorite was, um, I mean, they all explored it really interestingly, but I I thought what was particularly interesting was uh, towards the end of um, Amy and Rory's run, the sense of like, we have gotten older and we're about 10 years older than we were and we kind of are getting a little old and tired of doing this. You need to move on. And the way he didn't want to and you couldn't let go of them. And and that's one of the reasons why he blamed them blamed himself for what happened to them. Like I thought that was a really poignant way of almost meta way dealing with the fact that they were so popular as companions that they stayed on for a while. Right. Um, in this case, like the, uh, I just felt no, and not only did I feel no deep, no depth there. I felt like there was no depth even on them one to one. I thought Yaz got completely wasted. Um, yeah. You know, there was they set her up as a cop, and then she. I think you know, I think that the fact that she had her her family was nice. That was kind of a Russell T Davies kind of storyline. With a Donald Trumpish character, who they then explicitly said was not Donald Trump, which is pretty funny. Uh, that was such a Russell T. Davies type episode, and I enjoy all the social satire of that season. But like, they did nothing with Yaz except for I feel like there was more done with the internet and trying to ship Yaz with the Doctor than than any of the writers actually did. Like every time they looked at each other, it was selling a new meme about like everyone trying to ship them. The Ryan Graham thing was like so like oh, it was for I mean from the beginning you knew. That that was going to be their arc, and right. it happened in such a predictable way. I was just disappointed. That's all they did with those characters. Um, and and as a trio, I didn't understand. Like I felt like I know that Ryan and Yaz had gone to school together, but like there wasn't the kind of I don't know. Like if you're going to have three people, I mean, think of like River, Rory, and Amy. I mean, that was a trio. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, in the old days, uh, you know, they had trios. But I mean. Yeah, I was I was just disappointed that they didn't even though I like all those actors a lot. I was just I was just disappointed with all that. I also didn't love the music. I just feel like uh, fine if you want to change tracks and get more electronic-y, but it was very forgettable a lot of the music. 
Um, that said, there were some really good episodes I enjoyed a lot. I mean, the 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 Kablam was my favorite that that episode, um, the fake Amazon one. Um, but there were a lot of nice stuff in there, and I and I very very much appreciate all the sort of social consciousness of the epi- of that season. And I mean, I jokingly call her Doctor Woke, right. <laughs> but to my wife, who refers to <laughs> she refers to. Um, to the tenth doctor because I got her into Do- she loved uh, this season of Do- she never watched Doctor Who watched the season loved it loved Jodie Whittaker and then that made her want to go back and watch the old episodes so she she calls uh, the ninth Doctor Doctor I think she calls him Doctor Angry or she calls him Doctor Daniel Craig because she reminds her of like <laughs> the Daniel Craig she calls uh, the tenth Doctor Doctor Sexy Time or <laughs> because of all the it drove her crazy the way every woman in the universe fell in love with him except for you know donna but they had to make a big deal of oh my god a woman's not in love with the doctor and so then she started calling the 11th doctor dr friend zone and then she called the 12th doctor dr grumpy pants um the 12th yeah so it's like um, the hargreaves mr people books <laughs> totally it's very funny whenever i'm like yeah so when peter capaldi and she did it she's like is that dr grumpy pants <laughs> so yeah so we call her dr woke um so and i love you know that's all good um, i think that's great and i think it's ridiculous that the, the the trolls have been driving me crazy the same and the trolls that get so upset about how how like progressive and liberal that last season was are the same people that think it's great that the um john pertwee era had a lot of liberal politics at the time like that somehow is okay with them um and the environmental three-parter or five-parter whatever that was with those you know I forget what the name of the Green Death episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're all like, they're very proud of that. But God forbid, you know, the first female doctor will do anything that has to do with modern day issues. Um, so, yeah, they drew the trolls going after it. And right down to the fact that they were claiming that, that the ratings had gone down because of her, which was totally untrue. The ratings were actually higher uh, yeah. in the years. And the fact that they kept spreading those lies just drove me crazy. Um, so, you know. Uh, overall, I give it a B B plus. Overall, that's, that's I, actually very generous. <laughs> yeah, maybe a B, given what I just saw, everything I just said. I'd say I give, I'd give Jodie Whittaker an A, but the season overall a B. I think yeah. that's what I would say. That's a B. I think, and I've yeah. probably mentioned it on the show a couple of times, but the way I look at it, as far as the villains were concerned, I agree there was never really felt like there was much of a threat, with the exception of the um, Southern racists. Like I actually got worried <laughs> for them at that point in time. But the way I looked at it is, uh, how many characters from this season would have made action figures? And the answer is not a lot of them, right? You know, like, uh, and that's that. I want to see more uh, villains and characters who you could be made into like five and three quarter inch action figures. Mm-hmm. You know, like and give me something just, visually memorable. Yeah, and it's not even just action figures, but something that just be yeah, vi- that, like you said, that it becomes visually memorable. That becomes like you know. Um, that take on a life of their own culturally. Like the angels, the weeping angels just sure. took off. Um, I was going to add one more thing too. Yeah, like like I appreciate the the real monsters are, are us kind of theme um, once in a while. Um, right. And, and, and in life, yes. But for this particular show, the way the show is built, it actually ends up being an Old, if you if you do it almost every episode, then it, it's it, they're unsatisfying episodes of Doctor Who, given that this is the machine you're driving. Right. <laughs> you know that that I think was one of my issues with it. 
Yeah, with the exception of the first and last episode with with Tim Shaw, the mm-hmm. only real villain was uh, the the evil mud from the Witchfinders. Everyone else was was people or misunderstood creatures who were just following, you know, were threats but were not were not villains. Yeah, you're right. Most so. most of the season was unmemorable characters. You got to have that every week. I mean, look at the Mandalorian. Every single episode mm-hmm. is at least one memorable character in it. Oh yeah! I can't wait to watch that one day. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. No, I, I haven't done the Disney Plus thing. Uh, so. we're, we're still we, we're about two episodes behind. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's as good as everybody says. Um, oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, m- thanks to social media, I feel like I don't really even need to watch <laughs> the show because, uh, whereas you know, Game of Thrones spoilers they were throwing it about, I just feel like you know people would post facts about other shows whereas i'm getting full scenes and gifts that are just like i'm scrolling through social media i'm like oh no okay that's spoiled (laughs) spoiled but i'll be honest and and maybe once it'll change once i actually watch it i'm a little sick of baby yoda um (laughs) well i feel like the thing is baby yoda is played baby yoda on the internet is is like uh, like like hits you over the head with the adorableness of it in the show it's you know it, it has story purpose like every right. time you cut to baby yoda it's because we're about to see baby yoda's point of view you yeah. know you cut to baby yoda cut to baby yoda's point of view inside the basket and this you know whatever like uh like there's always a, there's always a story purpose for it um as opposed to the internet <laughs> the internet <laughs> <laughs> but i mean we could have had all of that with the pating right i mean you know it's just Which- as cute which one of the oh those things oh god I hated those things <laughs> the the, uh, the 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 total the the stitch creature from uh, Saranga conundrum mm. did you have a um so you said that you really like Kerblam and I've I've heard that a lot from from folks um did you have an episode where you're just like uh, worst episode of the season I hate to you know like settle on anything negative about it because I I do want to get to the trailer but I'm just kind of curious because um while I heard a lot of people like you know say oh demons of the Punjab and Rosa are kind of a, were very different stories uh, from the rest of the season, uh, and those were usually held to a, a kind of a higher standard. People's least favorite of the season has been wildly uh, all over the place, and I'm, I'm kind of curious as to if you had one that you like specifically like. I never have to watch that one again. Uh, yes, my least favorite was the uh, the. Saranga, whatever conundrum. Saranga conundrum. Conundrum. I've I've never been a huge fan of the Doctor and the Companions land on a ship dark, deep into the future that's suddenly in peril. They do that all the time. It's I've never loved that. Um, I've never loved that conceit in general. Um, and I thought that was a I thought that was a pretty un, I, I thought that was also an episode a, a version of it that was the least interesting and I hated those little things I uh, <laughs> hated them that was without question my least favorite I mean I'm just glancing at them now you know Woman Fell Earth was you know it's good it's good setup I love that moment where she remembers that she's a doctor Ghost Monument I thought was a bit weak um, yeah. I just didn't understand what the point of it was uh, Rosa. I mean, they hit you over the head so hard in a way that I think if Americans had done this, it would have been done with a bit more finesse. Plus, they cast a guy uh, as Do- as Martin Luther King with like the worst American accent, even by Doctor <laughs> Who standards. Which for 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 Martin Luther King, you really shouldn't do that. I enjoyed um, Arachnids in the U- um, Arachnids in the UK. I thought that was a fun one. Um, and Mr. Big as 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 faux Trump was freaking hilarious. <laughs> Uh, Demons of the Punjab, 
again, that that again was fell into the problem of the, of the general problems we're we're facing the season. Although, um, how amazing is it that Doctor Who? is finally looking at history that's not just white male history. I mean, that's right. sort of... They've treated history all this time as if, like, if it's not white male history, it doesn't matter. And so that part I hugely appreciated. Uh, Witchfinders as well. Also, Witchfinders had a moment that I've been waiting for all season, which is that if the Doctor, as a woman, goes back in time and acts like the Doctor always has acted, <laughs> they're going to burn her as a witch, you right. know? And how she uh, willingly acknowledged. She's just like, this is so frustrating. Usually I just walk around and take charge. Like, why can't I do that? And I was like, I remember like yelling out loud, like, finally, like they're finally <laughs> like dealing with the, you know, and yet she is acting no differently than the doctor has ever acted. And yet as a woman, it's, it, it becomes a great social satire. Um, the Norman one was okay. The frog bit was I enjoyed. Um, again, it was kind of like a little. I enjoyed the the craziness of that episode um, and the suspense, which didn't lead to much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the battle of the the battle of Tim Shaw at the end was also <laughs> another anticlimactic, disappointing one. I really did enjoy the Dalek episode. I know I I loved the beginning uh, before the Dalek got into the Dalek suit. I thought that was a very clever modern way of making the Daleks scary again. Agreed. Um, uh, and I loved its deep voice too. And then yeah. it, it got then uh, then of course it it got into the suit and it was you know classic. Um, although it was funny because. Uh, there's so many moments in the episode where I, I, I thought to myself, and people pointed out on Twitter, that just like, if this was Russell T. Davies, those side characters would have been dead. <laughs> like, there's so many moments throughout the whole thing that it was it was harkening back to the Russell T. D., T. Davies era, but I'm like, you're not killing enough people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Generally not an acceptable thing to say, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, Russell for T. Davies I get that. was like, he was like a George R. R. Martin left level of serial killer when it came, when it came to side <laughs> characters. Um, I mean, the worst for me was that Titanic episode where he killed off like the nicest people, uh, the David Tennant, <laughs> and then right, right, and then that raging asshole ends up being alive at the end. And I love the old guy, and Russell D. Davis loved those old guys. Where he said to the doctor, he's like, well, if you could choose who lives or dies, you'd be a monster. Right. And I, that was a great moment. Um, but. Um, anyway, yeah, so that would be my rundown. That's cool. I what no, I, I appreciate it, because it's always nice to listen to a different point of view. Uh, uh, what are your points of view on all that? Oh, um, I mean, I actually, <laughs> I think I had mentioned to you when we were getting set up for this that I was I was looking forward to doing a, a, a rewatch. I have not rewatched any episodes from the last season, with the exception of Rosa, because I, I did a a podcast review with with another on another podcast, and so I watched that a couple of times just to make sure I had everything straight. Mm-hmm. But I think what's going to happen is between Christmas and New Year's Day, I am going to watch do a complete rewatch, and so I could kind of flow into it. So a lot of what I feel like my thoughts on on those episodes um, come from just the initial first viewings, and then the conversations I've had. I remember really liking the Saranga Conundrum. Uh, and feeling like there was actually a, uh, at that point in time, it was like the first sense of peril I had felt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I liked Rosa quite a bit. I liked uh, Demons of the Punjab quite a bit. Um, I really liked Witchfinders again, again uh, something about the threat. And I really liked the, the human elements and grace from the woman who fell to earth. 
but but on the whole, I felt like it was. I think I could just echo most of what you said. I didn't feel like there was enough threat. I think that um, it was essentially Doctor Graham and uh, Ryan show. I, I don't feel that Doctor was given nearly as much character development as Graham and Ryan were. I think Yaz, they wrote Yaz in as an afterthought. It, it just feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that we get a little bit more in the next season. Brent, how about you? Well, um, I'm pretty much uh, agree with both of you on all of those. Uh, Rosa was great, and um, Demons of the Pooh Jam was my favorite. Hmm. But the um, Witch Finders... I felt like that was the only episode where the doctor herself was in peril. That's the only time I sat back and said, "Oh my god, how's she going to get out of this?" Yeah. <laughs> and and that was the only time and and that I think that was my biggest uh gripe with series 11 was that there wasn't enough danger, there wasn't enough peril. Um also the whole Yaz thing, you're right. She was totally underused, but uh we'll get to the the new uh trailer in a second, but there's been a couple of uh, short previews of the first episode have also been released, and it looks like they're already starting to use Yaz more than they did last year, so that's good. And, and the whole thing about uh, Graham and Ryan and, and their uh, their whole thing last year, their whole arc between them, it was predictable, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was one of my favorite parts of last year, to, to see how they would uh, progress – uh, throughout the year, I mean, you knew you knew they would make up by the end of the year, <laughs> but they had was, to, right? Yeah. They had yeah. to, yeah. But it was nice seeing that journey. Um, but I agree that the uh, the New Year special with the Dalek that just far and away better than anything else she's been in so far. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think we I think we may have mentioned too, or I, or maybe I just mentioned on one of my episodes when I I did on Doctor Who is like. There is almost like for every for every new actor playing the Doctor when they have their first Dalek episode, it's always fun to see them have that moment of oh my God, it's my mortal enemy again, you know. <laughs> and there's, there's something always very satisfying about about that. Well, it doesn't look like well, at least they're not teasing us in the trailer that we're getting a Dalek episode uh, in the 2020 season, which is, you know, it's funny. I, I'm looking at this calendar and it's like, all right, next week. Uh, the last Star Wars movie is coming out. The following week, Christmas. The following week, we're getting new Doctor Who. Which one am I excited about? A Doctor Who, you know. Oh, me too. I'm way more excited about Doctor Who than. I mean, I'll see obviously this Star Wars movie. I mean, how would I not? But right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not super excited about it as I am about yeah new Doctor Who. Well, let's talk about the trailer a little bit because, uh, you know, it dropped on November 23rd, which was Doctor Who Day. We talked about this a little bit in our last episode. Um, I was at a Doctor Who convention in New York when it dropped. So uh, as much as I don't like spoilers and I like to go into the show without having watched trailers or next time trailers or learning, I I just don't do the research I used to uh, back in the day when I was doing a weekly Doctor Who podcast. It's just nice to be surprised. But when you're at a Doctor Who convention surrounded by fans, you can't not watch the trailer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the trailers has some ungodly number of, of views. And I think half of those are mine now. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about it. Actually, yeah, you look good. You look exciting. I'm I'm very excited about the Cybermen. 
Um, and apparently they're in a, in a Mary Shelley um, Frankenstein episode, which is fantastic. And I think it's going to be about the origin of Frankenstein, which I did an episode on my podcast about as well. Uh, you know, it's such a perfect, such a perfect uh, storyline for Doctor Who, and especially for this Doctor. Um, and, uh, and and it's such a perfect match. I can't believe no one's thought of it before. So I'm excited about that. The Jadoon were never my favorite because of their obvious rhinoceros <laughs> design um right. never been a huge fan of them but uh I- i'm happy people are excited for them uh i want to see so doctor who trailer season 12 i'm curious how many views you said it's gotten a huge amount of views well I mean, yeah 900 and about nine hundred thousand views that's good yeah for three weeks uh, for you know for a show that, and that's a problem with Doctor Who. I feel like recently is is we're not getting it every season. You know, we've we've waited essentially an entire year. No, exactly, an entire year. Oh, sorry, never mind. No, 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 no. The trailer, yeah, yeah. Trailer number two has one point nine million views. There we go. That's yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. But still, I mean, you know, I I feel like, you know, when the fiftieth anniversary was on and everything was Doctor Who, I saw Doctor Who at every convention. There's always cosplay, and it's not as much. Uh, though I will say that the number of women I see cosplaying uh, Whitaker's Doctor and men and men actually, because I just got myself a, a a Whitaker Doctor shirt the other day and and have mm. been wearing it quite proudly. Uh, I, there's something nice about that shirt with the uh, the the kind of the rainbow across the chest that I feel like you can you can be a part of fandom without advertising wholeheartedly. It's it's sort of a subtle way yeah. of cosplaying, and I, I enjoy that's. That's my kind of cosplay. You know, it's funny. You were talking about how the villains, none of the villains, you know, could make good toys or action figures. She cuts a really iconic look because I've seen a lot of um, people who are do these kinds of, oh, here are all the doctors in this situation or that situation in from a graphic arts perspective. And I got to say, like, you know, David Tennant, my favorite doctor, but does not cut a great. It's very hard to do him well. Even Matt Smith, it's very hard to kind of do them as well. But she is she cuts a great silhouette, you know. Like she just she she herself I think is is a really cool looking design for a doctor. Um, the even the way that her coat and her and the hair kind of um, like you just know her instantly um, in a way that every time I see them every time I see these graphic images whether it's fan made or or not I always think like she just pops you know graphically in a nice way and I do see lots of people wanting obviously lots of people want to dress up as her. I was at New York Comic Con. You know, there was one Doctor Who episode this whole year, but there are a lot of people dressed as as her at New York Comic Con. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my friends and fandom, especially the LGBTQ community, really excited about Jodie Whittaker and a tux. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, actually, the four of them in their outfits for whatever episode that's that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, which may very well be Spyfall, which it sounds like the, the first episode that we're getting on, on January 1st. Yeah. Um, that uh, that might be from that, so I, I think that's going to be a, a lot of folks are really looking forward to that one. I personally, Stephen Fry. That's I mean, the moment they announced that he was going to be in this, I got really excited. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his, and I, I do like a bit of stunt casting. I'm I'm a fan of that. So, oh yeah, oh my god, we mentioned um, Alan Alan um, Cumming as Cummings as uh, uh, King uh, James. <laughs> James. Um, yeah, that's one hell of a stunt casting. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, a couple other things. Um, you know, uh, we're going to have an episode with uh, that we see. It. It's very clearly Tesla. Nikola Tesla is going to be in Doctor Who. I mean, it's one of those one of the things where, like, since Doctor Who's been back since two thousand and five, 
I've been kind of waiting for that episode because it mm. seems perfect. Like I'm assuming Tesla's going to be an alien, probably not. But <laughs> I mean, like, and if it if it if it goes along the um, the same thing as the current war, right? Like with with um, Tesla versus Edison. My God, that would be brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, Edison is in it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, just the trailer seems to suggest that there's going to be a lot more action and a lot more danger. You know, there's people firing guns, which we didn't get much of in in the previous season. So, yeah, we have, I mean, they've promised that that even the premiere is going to be huge and action packed. I mean, they said it was like the biggest episode they've ever done. I'm like, really? <laughs> Compared to the 50th anniversary special? I don't know if you're going to top that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, but but I'm glad Probably you're not. aiming that high. Sure. I mean, we even have what appears to be an episode that, you know, it's kind of the old chestnut as far as British um, sci-fi is concerned, going back to the Blitz. Uh, yes, I noticed that too. I was like, oh, they love that. They love they love the Blitz episodes, yeah. But I always feel that the period, they do so well with the period pieces because it's BBC and they, they're going to have the costumes and they're going to have the actors and they know how to film it right. They have the experience of doing it. Why? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, if they're doing it, every other season or, or maybe even every three seasons i'm okay with that because it's always interesting to see a new take on that subject matter this is because when you look at it it's such a it's such a part of the the british psyche you know the the mm-hmm. fact that you know it's sort of like if we did a sci-fi show and kept on going back to um you know september 11th right you know the time where we we as a country was it were attacked so i get that that they want to revisit it over and over again um we got some cool looking aliens. There's something that looks like a Ragnos in there. There's mm-hmm. some weird looking pointy headed dude. They're breaking through the TARDIS. We got a giant, possibly metallic scorpion running through streets. You know, the music for the trailer uh, kind of gets your blood pumping, and it doesn't really feel like Akinola's um, work. So maybe, maybe it is. Uh, maybe it's a popular song that I just don't know because I'm just not hip with today's music. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I thought that 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 alien breaking through the TARDIS wall was was very interesting to me because that's um, you know it's supposed to be impenetrable. That's kind of like just a thing on the on the right. show is that nothing can get through the TARDIS that doesn't want to, except apparently a kerblam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a harmless kerblam thing. Um, so that that to me, the idea that the Doctor was in that level of danger, I, that's that got me excited. Yeah, it does hint that there's something going on. That the doctor is um, that is targeting the doctor, and it seems like it might be kind of the big threat, right? You know, so we talked about Ghost Monument and sort of being forgettable, but there is this weird moment where the <laughs> the very threatening scraps of cloth uh, mentioned. I don't even honestly don't even remember what it was. I just felt yes, like, oh, the- I know a lot of people picked up on that because it seemed to be like they were setting up a big storyline of which they completely dropped. Yeah. It was like the forgotten child or something like that. A lot of people were like, "Oh, is that the doctor's, you know, uh, granddaughter and from the first season?" And I, no one ever, I don't know what happened to her or what happened to that. That reference seemed to be poised for something else. Yeah, no, and and you know, with Chibnall at the helm, I thought for sure we would see uh, a return of the villains that he teased in um, Power of Three whose name I've just, I have it written down somewhere, but I, I've forgotten. But like, they, they sort of seem like they could be these big bads that they introduced and sort of didn't do anything with uh, at the finale of that episode, which, you know, we could talk about that episode forever as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I need an arc. I, did, I wasn't 100% sure. I was really kind of excited about Monster of the Week 
stories and new new creations, and I was very much let down by it. So maybe maybe I was wrong, and maybe kind of. Yeah, that was another issue I had with the season was I think this is the most episodic Doctor Who has ever been. Because at least in classic Who, you would have these sort of, whatever, three to five part storylines. Um, they weren't as Monster of the Week. And, you know, in New Who, uh, you know, there was always an overarching story, even if, you know, even if it was kind of lightly there um, right. throughout, which then they'd have the big reveal towards the end as to, as to what all the hints were. But this was truly the most episodic that Doctor Who had ever been. Um, and I, I guess it's to, to bring in new people, and I, I guess it was a reaction to uh, the Moffat, the late Moffat era, where I think a lot of people felt like if you didn't have a PhD in whoology, you didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, which I get that, but I felt like I felt like the pendulum swung too far in the other direction. As far as yeah, I, I definitely was one of those that said, you know, like I'm actually excited to see Moffat gone because. I was getting a headache because I wasn't watching Doctor Who in the way I think I was supposed to because it never felt like you were watching an episode and truly appreciating until the season was done. And then mm-hmm. you, could, you could go back and rewatch it and understand what he was doing. And like the more and more uh, I, I watch episodes like that, as much as I enjoy some of them, I was really kind of excited about, well, I, I want everything to be sort of at face value. I was wrong. I need more. <laughs> I need to be challenged a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't heard I, that there was an arc this year or before the trailer came out. So that was the the big thing I took out of the trailer was all of a sudden it gets quiet and something's coming after me and all this. And I was like, ooh, yeah. ooh that looks good. So I guess there is an arc. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I feel like my – I think my favorite um, my favorite arc was the uh, – oh, now I'm blanking. Harold Saxon. Uh, the way they teased that arc, I thought was so much fun, uh, throughout that whole season. Um, so moments like that, it was so satisfying, uh, cause you're like, oh, of course. And he went back in time to the point that, that you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, I think that was one of my favorites and it was lightly done. It was, you know, there were plenty of episodes that felt like monsters, monster of the week, but you know, there was more to it. Um, my other favorite of all time, and this is again, we're, we're flipping shows. There was a season of Buffy where they had the, they had the storyline arcs and then they had the throwaway bottle episodes. And in the end, um, and I think it was season five uh, and it was glory, the villain, they realized the only way to defeat glory were all the artifacts they had picked up from what you thought were the throwaway (laughs) bottle episodes. I thought that was brilliant, including the one that seemed the most trivial of the whole season. Um, It turned out that this giant like weapon that they had gotten was the weapon they could use to defeat glory. I thought that was pretty hysterical. The troll trolls hammer. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was Arya's ex-boyfriend. Arya, not Arya. What was her name? Anya. Anya's ex-boyfriend. Yeah, that was hilarious. Who was like the guy on ER. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Eric, I was re-listening to uh, the the last time you were on here, and I pulled something out of there that we haven't asked you yet. We Mm. we were going to ask you what you thought of the uh, two-part finale of Capaldi and also the Christmas special Twice Upon a Time. Oh, we hadn't we hadn't talked since then, or we talked I before. Then. Oh, I loved it. Oh my god, I loved it. Yeah, um, it's it's so funny too because I was just thinking this morning about how when Capaldi 
um, before he goes. I mean, he's given some amazing. He gave some amazing speeches in, in his run. I mean, he had such a gift for work for for delivering monologues in which they gave him so many. But I thought his final monologue was too much. It was too much of a mountain of of like exp- of almost mansplaining in, in retrospect what the doctor was to her, and 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 utterly un unmemorable. And then, but but then she the way that she looks into her reflection and says, "Ah, oh, brilliant!" Like that, like what, like and, and just like basically one or two words so much more says so much more of that that was her reaction to seeing herself as a woman um was so great um but overall i loved that episode and i just thought how brilliant to to bring in uh david bradley is that the act his name yeah to bring in David Bradley to play the first Doctor after he played him in um, in, in that made for TV movie, what a brilliant idea! Um, and I guess it was Moffat's idea of how he was trying to figure out why does the Doctor, you know, regenerate as a woman? And he, so he started to think about what if he meets an older version of himself and realizes, you know, how far he's come and yet how far he still has to go. Um, uh, I'm, you know, I wish I do wish we had a better sense of what happened to Bill. Um, you know. But I guess it's implied she she uh, is is fine in her new um, semi liquid state <laughs> with uh, with her semi liquid girlfriend uh, in outer space somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, what did you guys think? I loved it. Uh, that was probably my favorite finale, certainly for the new uh, for several years to me. Mm. And and that Christmas special. That was that was great having the first and the and the twelfth Doctor there together, and setting it against the whole um, uh, armistice. Oh my God! Yes, that Christmas moment. I, I remember. It's funny. I remember in in, a, in um, high school history class learning about that moment yeah. in World War One history, and it gave me chills even as a kid in what was otherwise a pretty dry history class when I first heard about that. And I'm, and when they did that, I thought, Oh my God, this is so brilliant! How have they never done this before in Doctor Who? And then for him to turn out to be the grandfather, of, yeah, grandfather of um, uh, Alistair Stewart Lightbridge. Is that his? What is it? Uh, Stewart. Yeah, Etheridge. Yeah, I always I always mix up his name. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, brilliant. And the and of course, Mark Gaddis was so good. He was. He was. <laughs> he, really, yeah. he really was. Oh, and one of my favorite moments ever was that uh, World War One, and he's like, "Yes, from your your outfit." And he's like, "But World War One." <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about just, you? I mean, yeah. Um, I I really liked Twice Upon a Time. I think it was a good way of of saying goodbye to Capaldi. Um, it was one of those things where if you you found me at a compan uh, a panel at a convention. And they asked me, you know, what moment of history do you want to see? It was always the the Christmas truce. I think, yeah, in the same way, Eric, I, once I learned about it, I thought it was phenomenal. And there's so many good movies and so many good children's books written about it. Uh, I was, uh, I think the moment it, it showed that that's what it was, like that it was in World War One. I, I assumed that's what we were getting. And I was, and even, even knowing it, even going and expecting it. I was still really satisfied with it. Mm. I was not as satisfied with the uh, the two part finale. Um, I, I think I like the setup. I like the direction. I like the acting. I did not like what they did with Bill. Uh, I found that to be very troubling, and I found the whole kind of uh, the threat of the Cybermen um, seemed like they didn't handle it the way they needed to. But that's 
another conversation. <laughs> yeah, I thought that, that they sort of botched the Missy, whatever arc she was on, or they muddled it. They muddled her arc to the point where I don't really quite get in the end. Was she really on a redemption arc, but the master pulled her back? Was she never... I mean, and and um, it was in the end, given that they, I was surprised they had teased the master. I remember the very beginning of that season. I was like, wow, spoiler. Um, that, because I was waiting for him so long, it was sort of disappointing. But, I mean, Bill got the rawest deal of any companion. Um, I could not believe what they did to her Uh until, um, but then I guess she got to go off into space with her girlfriend and be more than human, which I is it, it feels like a decent consolation prize. But she had yeah. a life on Earth, though. I mean, I feel like I don't know. It was it was I found it kind of depressing, a depressing end for her. Yeah, yeah, that was I wasn't I wasn't super thrilled. Yeah, she was she was so amazing. I really wish we had two seasons of her instead. Of oh, yeah, me too. Oh, I would have taken. I would have taken the adventures of just Bill. I yeah, just, I just want to watch the Bill show. So, oh, two? Yeah. No, my God, no! We have two and a half seasons of Clara. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Eric, before we let you go, anything you want to tell us about um, any, any of the projects that you're working on? Uh, well, um, there is going to be a special announcement. Uh, we, I do have a Christmas episode coming out on Christmas Day. There will be uh, an announcement about the future of the back catalog. I'd signed a deal with a network called Midroll this year um, where my back catalog had to be on uh, their uh, app, Stitcher Premium. Um, and uh, that's going to change in the in 2020. So look out for an uh, and which will include um, – the My Doctor Who miniseries is, uh, is on there. Um, so there'll be a little announcement about that, uh, which I'm very excited about on Christmas Day. Yes. I pretty much basically just gave away the whole announcement there, didn't I? <laughs> I didn't really leave much to mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I for one, am, am looking forward to revisiting that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for, for joining us on this special episode of Who and Company. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for joining us on Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom. Stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixelwho. Who and Company can be found on iheartradio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at whoandcompany. Support the show on patreon.com slash whoandcompany. Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month.